Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This episode of Into the Night was made possible by the unwavering support of our dedicated Patreon donors. Their generosity allows us to delve deeper into the mysteries that await us in the dark world of Five Nights at Freddy's. If you're captivated by the secrets we unveil and wish to be part of our journey, we invite you to explore our Patreon page. By becoming a patron, you not only gain exclusive access to bonus content, behind-the-scenes insights, and special perks, but you also play a vital role in sustaining the future of this podcast. Visit the link provided in the description below to learn more and join the Night Conclave. Hello, and welcome to Into the Night, a Finance of Freddy's podcast. I am your host, Nick, and thank you for listening. On tonight's episode, we will delve into one of the most complex and debated aspects of the Five Minutes of Freddy's franchise. The game we're discussing has a plot so intricate, convoluted, and perplexing that it twists and folds upon itself like a Mobius strip inside of a Klein bottle. It's a narrative where the intentions of the series creator, Scott Cawthon, are still a subject of debate to this day. A storyline which walks a fine line between artistic freedom and interpretation, weaving itself endlessly into a web of complexity. Even its creator continues to add more details in subsequent works, aiming to provide more context and clues to it, yet often just makes it even more challenging to comprehend. Five Nights at Freddy's 4 initially subtitled The Final Chapter before a retroactive change before release, stands as one of the most infamous chapters in the franchise's story. I'm not exaggerating when I say that merely discussing this game, let alone dedicating an entire episode to it, plunges us into the contested waters of headcanons and unconfirmed theories that some hold as gospel truth. However, due to the game's significance in subsequent entries and the narrative hooks it contains, it is crucial for us to dissect the events within it to fully appreciate and comprehend the overarching story. This marks the beginning of an arc within Scott Cawthon's dark and fantastical world. An arc that has transformed the narrative of Finance at Freddy's from the tale of a beleaguered company with a tragic history into a story of shattered individuals attempting to piece themselves back together again. It's the tale of a fractured family one that slowly withers and succumbs to the sins of the father, paid for in the blood of his own children. Yet they all possess a peculiar resilience, always resisting death's embrace, and always coming back. This is episode four, The Bite of 83. <laughs>
The year is 1983, a decade prior to the harrowing events of the original game and four years before the events of Finance at Freddy's 2. Fazbear Entertainment basks in the zenith of its golden age, its empire sprawling across the expanse of Utah and potentially even extending its dominion across the intermountain region of the United States and beyond. These establishments are the hottest destination for children's birthday celebrations, boasting animatronic entertainers, and a state-of-the-art arcade adorned with the latest gaming cabinets and advanced entertainment robots. The coffers of the company overflow with wealth, merchandise saturating every nook and cranny of the media landscape and toy aisle. In addition to their renowned restaurants, Fazbear Entertainment peddled action figures and plush toys adorned with the likeness of their marketable characters. They even created their very own television program, titled Fredbear and Friends. In this quaint Utah town, a young boy with dark brown curly hair and dressed in a black shirt adorned with gray stripes was found in a state of distress. His face was marked by tear-stained cheeks. He was confined to his small bedroom, isolated with nothing but the solace of a few plush companions nestled in the corner of his space. These plushies formed the Fazbear Ensemble, a collection that included Freddy Fazbear, Barney the Bunny, Chica the Chicken, and a severely mangled Foxy the Pirate, who appeared to have endured a gruesome encounter resembling the aftermath of a fateful meeting with Robespierre and his guillotine. The plush doll's head was entirely severed from its body, adding an eerie layer to the boy's confinement. Upon the boy's bed sat a fifth plush doll, a yellow bear adorned with purple accessories, specifically a top hat and bow tie. Additionally, two black buttons were prominently displayed on its stomach. The doll's most uncanny feature was its unsettling, simplistic grin, which was plastered widely across its face. It had two black eyes with disconcerting white pupils. However, the discomfort didn't arise from the mere contrast of color or the petal's design but rather from the fact that the pupils seemed to track the boy's every movement around the room. Yet to the boy, none of these strange features alerted or dismayed him. His plush Fredbear was his friend. All of his plushies in his room were his friends, his only friends. They were the only ones who talked to him, not at him. They consoled and reassured the young child, offering solace whenever he was in trouble and attempted to soothe his fears and anxiety. What did he do this time? Did he lock you in your room again? Don't be scared. I'm here with you. Regrettably, the young boy's guardian angel appeared lifeless to everybody else. Other kids said he was always talking to himself when he was holding him. Parents whispered words like coping mechanism whenever he was around. But his affection for his stuffed animal held a special place in his heart. After all, they were his friends. The young boy appeared utterly alone, devoid of anyone close to him in whom he could place his trust, bestow his love, or from whom he could expect affection in return. Now that he could seek it for himself, the door to his bedroom remained locked tightly against his will, whether it was because of his father, who was always away on work, or his brother, who was always cruel in his teasing. He did not know. But no matter how fervently he pounded on it, yearning for release from his confinement, no one responded. As his realization slowly settled in, that he was locked in his room until the following morning, 
the desolate child, crushed by despair, dropped to the floor, curled into a forlorn ball, and wept himself into a fitful slumber. With his only companion, whether real or imagined, offering comforting words as the tears silently flowed. Tomorrow is another day. It's the dead of night, within the gloom of a desolate bedroom. The impenetrable darkness is only shattered by the faint beam of a flashlight, clutched tightly by the solitary figure, a small young boy. His room adorned with a disconcerting collection of bizarre toys, reminiscent of the security offices at long-abandoned Freddy Fazbear Pizza locations. A tall dresser sports a plastic purple fan, while a telephone on wheels bearing an unsettling cartoonish face lurks nearby. Curious oddities dot the room's landscape, cut out stars on the walls, a small purple robot, and a psychedelic colored caterpillar. Family photos hang in a corner, echoing the child's drawing in the night guard's office. Remnants of a happier past, now concealed by the shadow of agony. The boy is enveloped in an all-encompassing darkness, his only lifeline a trembling flashlight. It grants him limited vision, his soul linked to the reality in a sea of black. A grandfather clock occasionally chimes, echoing from the left hallway, mingling with the distant sounds from the outside world and other distinct eerie noises originating from the shadows. Suddenly, a piercing, high-pitched static noise emanates behind him. Whipping around, he aims his flashlight towards the sound, revealing three worn, tattered teddy bears on his bed. These once soft toys now bear ghastly, white eyes and a cold metallic core exposed through torn leather. Bathed in the flashlight's warm glow, the bears twitch violently as if having a seizure before vanishing underneath the bed in a blur of movement, dipping underneath with an unnatural swiftness, disappearing into the darkness. Somehow, the boy knew the name of these grotesque creatures were frettles, Knowing of that all three converge in his bed, they would summon their eerie master, a towering and battered Freddy Fazbear with a grotesque humanoid appearance, its tattered form revealing the cold metallic machinery beneath. This nightmarish abomination stands in stark contrast to the familiar cartoonish animatronics with human-like features and movements. Down the hallway, a grotesque zombie-like Bonnie the Bunny emerges its torn, ragged form revealing a damaged metal endoskeleton. Similar to the Freddles, the light attacked it and it dipped back into the darkness again. Footsteps approached from the other side, and the boy rushed over to the right door, swinging it open slightly, only to be met by a blast of hot, fetid air. The guttural breath of an unseen monstrosity reached his ears. The boy knew something lurked out there, but he was trapped. Nowhere to go but in the jaws and belly of the beast. He did the only thing he could do. He gripped the door handle, ready to engage in a futile battle of tug of war with the door. Yet, inexplicably, the creature doesn't push the door open, nor does it knock it to spook him. It's as if the malevolent presence has dissolved into thin air. The boy feels the tension return to the bed, as he knows he must check on the frettles. 
He opens the door and shines his flashlight, but there's nothing there. Whatever had been lurking had vanished without a trace. This was a strange game, but not one that was unfamiliar to him. A nightmare's trial of survival for the young boy, who must endure until the alarm chimes at 6am. To protect himself, he must fend off the Freddle's attempt to summon Freddy by illuminating the bed. However, his task is complicated by lurking adversaries at both of his doors. He relies on the subtle auditory cues of Bonnie and Chica's movements, employing light to ward them off when they're at a distance. But in the impenetrable darkness, when they're at his door, he risks being seized and devoured. He must decipher their proximity from the faint sounds they make and close the door to deter them temporarily. These otherworldly creatures are officially known as the Nightmare Animatronics, a fitting name given their uncanny appearance and the defiance of physical laws. This dark and twisted scenario unfolding before us is, by all accounts, more of a nightmarish ordeal than a dream. A child's subconscious fears hunting him for cruel sport. The desolate crying child remains trapped in his room, his sobs echoing in a chilling symphony of despair. However, the door stands ajar, offering a bleak escape from his wretched confinement. With trembling steps, the young boy ventures into the darkened hallways, his plush Freddy shifting from his bed to perch atop a creaking grandfather clock, its classy eyes bearing witness to the horrors lurking beyond. You know me, it's As the child steps out, his eerie yellow bear companion remains vigilant. The boy peers into an adjacent bedroom. Once his sister's room of joy was now nothing more than an empty tomb. Dusty pink sheets and floral decorations cling to an unsettling atmosphere suspended between pristine and forsaken. The remnants of a torn doll resembling the mangle desecrate the room, a gruesome testament to some forgotten disturbance. No one ever came to that room anymore, yet the sofa's bedding remained meticulously folded. He won't stop until you find him. His wretched escape attempt carried him to the living room. A decrepit sanctum adorned with nothing more than a lofty couch and a dead television. Approaching the television, the boy is rudely interrupted by the sudden nightmarish appearance of Foxy, who lunges out from behind the TV with a menacing growl. Startled, the boy recoils in a fetal position, his wails piercing the oppressive silence. Sniggering came from behind the TV, opening his watery eyes. It wasn't Foxy that lurks behind the TV, but rather another child. He was wearing the torn-off head of the crying child's foxy plush. The ominous threat the boy's imaginary friend had tried to forewarn him about is none other than his own elder brother, who, in the absence of parental oversight, planned to torment his younger sibling from dawn to dusk. Tomorrow is another day. The relentless onslaught of malevolent entities escalates night after night. Once the sun goes down, the nightmares in the hall become faster and bolder with their tactics to get inside. Even worse, the boy had spotted Foxy hiding around the corners. 
Unlike the other fiends that haunted the boy, Foxy's approach was a bit more insidious. Instead of lunging directly at the child, the cunning monster fox, hereby referred to as Nightmare Foxy, darts purposely towards the foreboding closet nestled opposite to the bed. With a sinister sense of amusement, Nightmare Foxy weaves a sadistic game of torment, lying in ambush while the boy grapples with the other three shadows of the past. Should the young boy muster the courage to seal the closet's grim maw, Nightmare Foxy would slowly disappear. Yet this cunning predator doesn't simply dissipate like the others. Instead of merely disappearing or evading, Foxy undergoes a grotesque metamorphosis, transforming into an innocuous Foxy plush doll. No cuts, no scratches, nothing insidious about its cute form at all. The child is left with a harrowing truth. He must repeatedly confront the closet's oppressive abyss, a Sisyphean cycle of dread and despair, to prevent Foxy's relentless return. Each time he did so, the fox would peer down and snap and snarl its jaw, spooking the life out of him as he did so. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. The crying child has been abducted from his discomforts of home. He's now shivering in fear. He found himself huddled beneath the stained tables of a brightly lit restaurant. Party tables with multicolored balloons hung in the air. No one was watching him. No one was protecting him. Why did he bring him here? He Plush Fredbear's chilling words reverberated within the recesses of his tormented psyche. Although his stuffed bear's absence, his presence was still near him. The establishment he was in had a massive cartoon adaptation of his image looking down at him. But his likeness wasn't just on the walls. His face leered from every corner. The posters, the cups, the plates, everywhere had his warm grin. But none of them were comforting to him. Not in this place. The restaurant is decorated with celebratory streamers hanging from the ceiling and multicolored balloons attached to every table. What's obvious is that the child is in a Fazbear location, but why he was left here with no oversight is a mystery. Plush Fredbear's ominous counsel punctuates the child's fragile hope. Beneath a menacing canopy of celebratory streamers, the restaurant's decorations cast eerie shifting shadows. The child knew where he was. He was forlorn at a Fazbear location, specifically one for Fredbear and Spring Bonnie. As he rises, he moves away from the table. His attention was momentarily drawn to the restaurant's focal point, the dreaded show stage. No! Don't you, 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 you
In a rush of realization, he pivots and scurries in the opposite direction, a flicker of optimism igniting within his chest. But his newfound hope collides with something simultaneously soft and hard. Gazing upward, he encounters the chilling sight of a golden bear adorned with eerie purple accessories. It's too In the crevice between the golden bear's jaw, nestled amid white cartoonish teeth, a pair of human eyes leered behind them. You know what will happen if he catches you. Heeding the warning of his spectral protector, the boy flees from the yellow bipedal abomination that mimicked his friend. His only escape route was the show stage lurking in the shadows. Realization dawns, and memories of the past begin crawling on his back. Two ominous dancing shadows, one bearing the form of a bear, and the other a rabbit, cascaded menacingly upon the walls. You can find help if you get past them. You have to control. With measured steps, the boy advances, weariness etched into every fiber of his being. Yet, the ominous approach of padded fabric from behind him jolts into a panic retreat. He scurried beneath a new table, succumbing once more to the chilling embrace of his own tears. Tomorrow is another day. The boy at night was thrown into a small, dimly lit chamber, a place that bore no resemblance to any child's bedroom he had ever encountered. Instead, it resembled a cramped, disquieting crawl space. The checkered carpet beneath his feet laid two four cramped openings without doors or hinges, resembling little more than stifling alcoves. In the back of the hallway, a solitary chair stood sentinel, upon which perched a tattered, plush spring bonnie doll, its withered form a morbid reflection of a once vibrant plaything. The doll's brown-green hue, tinged with a sickly shade, bespoke its age and neglect its three jointed ears drooping in an eerie semblance of disrepair, with a vacant gaze fixed upon an X etched to the distant floor, right in front of the boy. Desperation gnawed at the boy's core. He needed to escape from this oppressive confine. However, as he turned, his back pressed against the imposing door, similar to the one of his bedroom. He tried the knob. He felt a chill in the back of his neck as he realized the exit was firmly sealed impervious to his frantic attempts to push or pull it open. An eerie silence descended, broken only by the skittering of tiny feet. Hastily, he flicked the flashlight toward the far end, only to find the plush spring bonnie die conspicuously absent from its perch. He clicked his flashlight off, then turned it back on. Nothing. He clicked it on again, then off, then on. This time, he saw the little gremlin scamper, similar to the frettles, in blinding speed to the closest closet to his right. This insidious game was known as Fun with Plush Trap. A sinister trial where the subject must entice Plush Trap to rest upon a designated X on the ground, using the beam of his light to freeze its advance at just the right moment. Yet, in the engulfing darkness, the subject must rely on auditory cues to discern Plush Trap's proximity to them, tiptoeing the razor edge between the premature hesitation and fatal delay, failing amid the gruesome onslaught of the plush's chilling assault. While narratively this brings into multiple questions, speaking in terms of the actual video game itself, this section is entirely optional. 
appearing at the beginning of every night. But if a player succeeds in winning against Plush Trap, they will be able to skip two hours of their next night attempt. Back in the eerie confines of the restaurant, the child is huddled onto the floor, his trembling form shrouded in the oppressive silence that hangs heavy in the air. It looks like it's past curfew. The restaurant is closing soon. You have to get up. The only exception to his isolation would be the imaginary voice in his head, and as he wandered through the desolate restaurant, two more figures. An ominous purple man was working from the shadows, assisting an employee into a spring bonnet suit within a forbidden employee-only room. You can get out this time, but you have to hurry. The crying child adheres to his guardian's words, and quickly begins to escape the restaurant. As he trudges homeward, he crossed paths with other children in the neighborhood, to them, he's either a familiar friend or an object of ridicule, but the boy himself could never quite tell anymore. People who loved him and heard him all just blurred together. One of them he passed, an older boy adored in a green shirt, taunted him for his irrational fear of the animatronic characters. Another child he passed was playing with his spring bonnet toy, a little more dead compared to his plush friend, its mechanism relentlessly trapping and snapping at his dainty figures. He said his father kept calling it a finger trap. A girl with pigtails was weaving a sinister yarn of the animatronics having sentience, of spirits lurking in the shadows, destined to conceal the remains of those who fall prey to their voracious appetites. She spoke louder when he passed her. She was one of those that laughed and mocked his terror, the ones that snickered as he hid beneath the tables, and saw his tears as a reason to point and laugh. The children he passed that he was more certain were his friends were eagerly sharing their excitement displaying toy figurines that bear disquieting resemblance to the toy animatronics. A stout boy, clutching a balloon, cheerfully informs the boy of his impending party, a birthday party for the crying child. His own birthday, hosted within that Fazbear pizzeria, and they unknowingly revel in his dread. It was always hell as the weeping child walked back home but he was always reassured by the ever-watchful presence of his yellow Fredbear plush. He was watching him wherever he went, his guardian shadowing him from behind fences, lurking within sewer grates. Sometimes he even saw his face on the very head of a garden flower. He was here, there, and everywhere. Finally, the crying child returns to the shelter of his home. Be careful. He inches toward the TV in his living room, weary of his brother's petulant for torment. The child hesitantly activates the television and the cable box yields a chilling program titled Fredbear and Friends. It's an animated logo bearing the copyright date, 1983, with the show's surreal images flashing before his eyes. He slumped and watched it for a few moments, just to get his bearings. After enjoying the show, his brother never showed up, completely absent. A glimmer of hope fueled his steps towards his room. Perhaps his tormentor was sleeping. He should get some as well. The faster he slept, the quicker he didn't have to endure the rest of the day. But as he entered his room, 
his brother sprung from beneath the bed with another spine to scream. The younger brother recoils, wailing in terror as his brother's relentless torment continues. The boy lies motionless upon his bed, trapped again in his nightmare's realm of perpetual torment. By the nightstand, however, it eerie tableau unfolds as objects materialize, vanish, and reemerge in a maddening dance of eldritch nonsense, suffocating the very air he breathes. Among these bizarre apparitions, a purple vase harbors a collection of flowers, a disconcerting blend of life and decay. Some blossoms cling to a fragile vitality, while others wither and crumble away. Beside the nightstand, a prescription bottle languishes, its contents unknown. The label was ineligible, obscuring the nature of the sinister elixir it harbors and what remedy it was supposed to cure. And then there is this inexplicable presence of an IV drip, akin to those found in the sterile confines of a hospital room. It leaned ominously against the wall. He hid himself behind the covers. The memories he had of hospitals wasn't fond, and what these objects made him relive was far scarier than anything these nightmare animatronics could do to him. One dies to the party. The crying child was locked in a room. He leaned on the door on his knees, begging for someone to let him out. Behind him is a workstation, where lies torn off limbs and disrepaired springlock suits used at Freddy Fazbear restaurants. One suit even had its head completely torn from its body. Another doesn't even have a costume face, revealing the metal skull that lies beneath. Please. The crying please. child begs and pleads please. for mercy, screaming for someone to please let him please out, before once again crawling into a ball, whimpering one last hopeless please as he realizes that no one can hear him and no one will let him out of this nightmare. As the fifth night descends upon the nightmare's dreamscape, the child locked within his room finds himself ensnared in an unforeseen terror. The familiar terrors that once haunted his every move have dissipated, replaced by an unsettling void that heralds the arrival of a new monstrous entity. As he peers down the ominous hallway, a colossal, tattered, bipedal bear looms, its massive frame hunched to avoid scraping against the ceiling. Adorned with gaudy, purple accessories, a sinister top hat and bow tie, it exudes an aura of malevolence. Its maw houses two rows of jagged teeth, razor sharp, while its contorted fingers resemble lethal blades each feature conspiring to create a ghastly visage. Its eyes glowed with a demonic crimson. Its torn stomach cavity forms a twisted, nightmarish grin that stretched across its grotesque form. Instinctively, the child slams the door shut, seeking refuge in the same feudal tactic that had previously repelled the nightmares. Yet, the resounding thuds of heavy footsteps receded into the distance offered no reprieve. Instead, an eerie mocking laughter echoes from every corner filling the room with an oppressive, suffocating dread. Desperate, the child whirls around, the beam of his flashlight slicing through the oppressive darkness. 
His frenzy search culminates in the horrifying discovery of a decapitated yellow bear head leering down at him from the bed. While the flashlight flickered ominously, a subtle static hiss permeates the air as the head vanishes into the inky blackness. Throughout the night, the other nightmarish apparitions remain conspicuously absent, supplanted by the formidable presence of Nightmare Fredbear, an apex predator amalgamating the menacing abilities of its predecessors. Lurking in the hallway, the bed, and the closet, it stalks the child with relentless determination, biding its time for the opportune moment to strike. Survival hinges upon enduring the relentless onslaught until the victorious clarion of an alarm clock heralds the break of dawn. Zero days till the party. Today marked the fateful occasion of the grandchild's birthday party. A somber celebration unfolding within the familiar confines of his greatest fear, the young child finds himself encircled by four older boys, including his own elder brother, each adorned in a distinct Fazbear character mask. A leering figure wearing a Chica mask, brazing remarks upon the younger sibling's distress, mocking his vulnerability without an ounce of remorse. Wow, your brother's kind of a baby, isn't he? In response, the older brother revels in the sheer hilarity of his sibling's unrelenting terror. It's hilarious! A palpable absence of adults pervades the scene. Not a single parental figure in sight. Not even the parent of the two siblings. The other children appear to have abandoned them, leaving them in isolation. And within the conniving mind of the elder brother, a sinister plot takes shape. Why don't we help him get a closer look? <laughs> he will love it! The younger brother pleads for mercy for anything but this impending torment. However, his pleas fall on deaf ears as the older brother and his cohort seize him, carry him closer to the ominous show stage. Up close and personal, little brother. The cries of the younger brother fall upon deaf ears, drowned by the jeers and taunts of his tormentors as they drag him forcefully towards the show stage. No matter how much he shrieks and flails his arm around, their grip on his never loosens. As he is dragged towards the show stage, the yellow Fredbear and golden spring bonnies swag and sing in a spectacle of merriment, their artificial routine mocking the child's profound distress, seizing an opportunity to escalate their cruelty. The older brother hatches a nasty plot, goading his accomplices into a devious act of brutality. Hey guys, I think the little man says he wants to give Fredbear a big kiss. With callous disregard, the boys heed their ringleader's command, thrusting the younger boy's head into the mechanical maw of the towering animatronic. Their hysterical laughter echoes through the room as the child, now trapped within the monstrous embrace of Fredbear's draw, thrashes and screams as the futile bit of salvation. A chilling snap quiets their cackles and leaves the room in a ghastly silence. The bite victim hangs limpless his head crushed between the metallic head of Fredbear. Trickling streams of blood leak from the bottom jaw, as if the golden bear was salivating for the boy's death. The bullies looked on quietly, realization slowly taking on its effect. A chilling hush descends upon the entire restaurant as the tragic event unfolds in grim silence. Bro? Within a black void, the bite victim finds himself on bended knees. Before him, 
the spectral Fredbear plush stands, a forlorn sentinel, while behind the yellow bear, the shadows of his other plush companions loom. In this abyssal realm, the words of his older brother, once a source of tormented cruelty, now resonate with a different, melancholic tone, one filled with sorrow and regret. Can you hear me? I... I don't know if you can hear me, but I'm sorry. I'm... <laughs> I'm so sorry. A pause follows, and then a new voice, distinct from the familiar Fredbear tone, but whispering to him as if he was his spectral companion, each word delivered in a sorrowful, loathsome cadence. You're broken. We are still your friends. Do you still believe that? I'm still here. As each sentence unfurls, one of the plushies behind him begins to fade into the inky obscurity, leaving only the bite victim in the ethereal Fredbear plush. His imaginary friend vanishes into nothingness, with the final phrase, I will put you back together. I will put you back together. The tearful child bows his head. Slowly, too, he dissipates into the all-encompassing void, leaving behind nothing but an impenetrable shroud of darkness and the faint echo of a heart monitor flatlining in the background. The boy's frantic struggles continued throughout the night, the nightmares growing increasingly restless. Everything about this surreal experience felt unnaturally distorted. It couldn't be reality, yet it seemed so authentic. It felt disturbingly familiar. He'd been frightened by animal trucks before, but never like this. When they came to life at night in the past, he pitied them, not dreaded them. When he blocked the security doors to his left or right, just like how he was blocking Bonnie and Chica in his dream. How he kept Foxy behind his dilapidated curtain in Pirate's Cove. Similar to how he had kept him behind the swinging closet door. And even Freddy stalking him from behind and lurking within the shadows. And even Freddy behaved like that specter Golden Freddy, teleporting all around and seemingly unbound by any rules of reality. Fredbear. This room, though unfamiliar, still held toys and family photos that were unmistakably his own. These dreams were not his, but someone else's nightmares, someone else's torment to bear. Someone who knew about the fateful bite of 83, but the only person who could have such intimate knowledge. It couldn't be. Heavy breathing was blowing on his neck. The hair on his body stood up the moment the cold breath touched him. Slowly turning around, he gazed up at the monstrous creature. It was Fredbear, yet something was profoundly wrong. His once golden fur had turned inky black, and the vivid purple hat and bow tie had morphed into a glistening gold. Despite the paralyzing fear coursing through him, his racing heart seemed to slow as a nightmarish apparition drew nearer. This was not Fredbear, 
This was his own personal nightmare. This was death itself. <gasps> Michael jolted awake, drenched in cold sweat, his alarm blaring in his ears. It was 1993, ten years since he had that painful accident, but one that he feels like he has had to relive every time he has closed his eyes. His own little brother. No matter how many times he washed his hands, he never felt like he could clean the blood off them. While nightmares of his brother's tragic death had always been a haunting presence, they had never manifested so relentlessly. This was the seventh consecutive night of pure agony. Somehow, his night shift at Freddy Fazbear's Pizza had transmitted into the surreal nightmare scape. But it wasn't just that. The dreams were too vivid, too detailed, and they felt more like memories, fragments from someone else's life. And that was the chilling part. He believed he knew to whom these memories belonged. Exiting his bedroom, he traversed the vacant halls of his once-filled home. For years, the household has been devoid of life. His younger brother lay dead, his sister had vanished, his mother was gone, and his father remained on the run. Michael was the sole survivor of his family, though not by choice. Something deep within drove him to stay alive, a powerful force he couldn't ignore. He couldn't bear the thought of facing his younger brother on the other side without first making amends. Finding his sister had once seemed like the answer, but that could prove to be a grave miscalculation. He entered his brother's room, all of it still as it was left the day of the bite, albeit all covered in dust. His friends, the one thing close to his heart that he took away from him, still shriveled up in the corner. But his best friend was still resting on his bed. All of them were. He couldn't stand seeing all of them after the bite. It was too painful a memory. His father told him it was to monitor his younger brother, but he wondered if all it did was make his sanity drop even faster than it was already nosediving. Michael picked up one of the plush Fred Bears, its back torn open, with his nanny cane and speaker dismantled. Tears welled in his eyes as he gazed at it. It was ironic. He once mocked his brother for being a baby, for crying over these cartoon characters. And now he teetered on the edge of a breakdown. But it seemed he had never managed to get his hands on him. He had reconstructed himself. All alone. Every night he worked at the pizzeria, he felt his brother's persistent presence. The voice whispering, It's me. It's me. It's me. His brother's spirits lingered, just like the other children, just like all the victims of that madman's rampage. Holding the tattered bear in his arms, he began to weep. For when he cradled the plush Fred Bear, it felt as if he could sense his brother's head resting on his chest once more. And with that, I believe that brings us to a good stopping point for tonight's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to stay updated, please consider subscribing, following, 
or sharing this podcast. It truly helps us broaden our reach. Consider following us on our Twitter at Fazbear Podcast, joining our Discord, or supporting us on our Patreon or merch store using the various links in the description of this episode. Next time, before continuing on into the next entry into the series, we will be reviewing the storyline presented in this game and my presentation of it. Fire of Freddy's 4 is possibly one of the most controversial entries in the series when it comes to the interpretation of its story, with both future games and books altering the story and Scott openly admitting that the story itself being retconned and changed multiple times throughout the series. However, with the recent release of Tales from the Pizza Plex number 8, the novella Dittophobia has presented an alternative answer to the ones found back in 2015. Not my preferred ones, but their answers, kind of. So join us next time for a deep dive discussion on the lore and changing interpretations and story direction of Final Fantasy 4. And as always, I have been your host Nick, and I would like to thank you all once again for listening. Have a good night, and drive home safe. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.